Hey guys, welcome to episode 13 of the Forward Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're going to be asking ourselves, who are the New York Football Giants? Let's get right on into it. So in case you guys are new here, um, this series is where I go team by team, position by position, and break down the roster while also pointing out things that I'm going to be looking for throughout the season, asking myself questions like, will this player do this or this? And how will this player look in this new system, in this new environment? And yeah, so in today's episode, we're doing the New York football giants. Starting off with the quarterback position, um, we got Daniel Jones, backed up by Tyrod Taylor, or Tyrod now, I guess, uh, Brian Lewark, and Davis Webb. Um, so the Giants did not pick up the fifth-year option for Daniel Jones, meaning that right now he is essentially on a one-year prove-it deal with Brian Dable and the new coaching staff. Um, Jones has all the tools needed to succeed. Strong arm, he's athletic, like white dick out there, <laughs> and a much better offensive line and system in place, as well as a new um, second-round wide receiver. So this is the year where we find out, can he reach his potential? Because if he's not going to reach it here with Dable, who helped Josh Allen, a similar toolsy quarterback, obviously much better tools with Allen, but if we don't see it here, I feel like he's going to be just bounce around as a backup. Um, bringing in a Terod Taylor could be a nice motivation for Jones, but a lot of people are like, oh, this is like going to be New York's new starting quarterback, but I just really don't see that. Um, Terod's good. He's a good backup in certain places he can start, but... It just wouldn't make sense, I think, for New York to move on from Daniel Jones at any point in the season for Terod Taylor, who's just getting up there in age. You aren't going to want to build around him. And then we'll see who wins the number three job if they keep three between Lewick and Webb. Both of them are just going to be career backup types anyways. And then for running backs, uh, we got Saquon Barkley, Matt Burita, Gary Brightwell, and Antonio Williams. Um, the biggest question in this group is, can Saquon stay healthy? In 2019, his rookie season, he was one of the best running backs in this league. When the, like Right out the gates, you saw the explosiveness. You saw what he had at Penn State immediately translate into the NFL. And since then, he's dealt with a torn ACL, various injuries, and just playing in a really, like kind of one of the worst offensive lines in the league and one of the worst offensive teams. So they weren't afraid of throwing the ball at all. Um, but now, hopefully, with a better offensive line and system, I believe he can be a top three back again. But it's a big if with the injury. Like, I think kind of similar to Daniel Jones, he has everything around him needed to succeed again. It's just whether or not he can step up and do it. And unlike Jones, though, I think he is capable of doing it. It's just whether he is physically able to stay healthy and available. If he's down, or even not, um, Matt Breida should get plenty of looks here as the spell option. A speedy guy who's been bouncing from team to team, who also has had some injury question marks. Um, is he able to be the lead back here in New York if Saquon goes down? I feel like if he go, Saquon goes down, they have to pick up another back. I just don't think Breida has the ability um, to be an every down back in this league anymore. And are second and third year players Gary Brightwell or Antonio Williams able to step up when they're going to inevitably be called on with the injury history of the two running backs in front of them? Um, 
once again, I, I don't really think... I think New York really needs to go out there and sign another veteran if there's a single injury to this group, just because Brightwell and Williams, we don't really know much about them. Um, it would just be, I feel like, a smart move to pick up someone. There's got to be a running back out there who, who would want to play for New York and get pretty significant touches with an injury. Uh, wide receivers... Uh, the starters are going to be Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard. I feel like those two are going to get the most snaps out of this group. And then behind them, Kadarius Tony, Darius Slayton, and Wondell Robinson should all see a large amount of snaps with Richie James, CJ Board, Colin Johnson, Robert Foster, Davis Sills, Alec Bachman, and Travis Torvonen. Should have practiced that one. <laughs> uh, filling out the roster. Um, I am doing this very early in the offseason, so there's going to be a lot of names who aren't even going to be making NFL teams. But it's still interesting to see all these guys who they have in their collection as of right now. Um, biggest question, I feel like, with this group is how does Kenny Galladay look in year two? Uh, signed a massive, I think it was like $18 million per year deal to go over from New York to Detroit, or from Detroit to New York and did not catch a single touchdown pass, struggled with injuries, and just the offense was not good. Um, will Brian Dable coming over be able to spark him and make him produce like a number one wide receiver like I believe he is again? Um, I'm optimistic about that. He's got the skill set. He was succeeding in Detroit where a lot of people just don't succeed, except they did have Calvin Johnson, so there's that, but... <laughs> Is he going to be able to bounce back, or is he going to go down as just one of the worst free agent signings in recent memory? Um, so look forward to that storyline unfolding. And then Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, and Wanderl Robinson. It's really going to be interesting to see how all these players are utilized in this team because they all are excellent slot receivers who have shown the ability to go outside, but they are primary primarily do their damage from the slot. So how do they all work together? That's going to be really interesting to see. Um, I kind of think they should try to put Kadarius Tony a bit more outside. He does have more of the skill set to do that. Just up until now, he's been primarily relied on in the slot, like in college. And then in the NFL, Sterling Shepard was out last year, so they were able to use Tony in the slot a lot. Um, and it's the question, is Tony even going to remain on the team? They were trying to trade him apparently earlier, and now they drafted Wanda Robinson, another slot guy. So how is this going to work out with that? And if he does stay on the team, does he... Does Tony stay as a slot guy, or I think if he stays on this Giants roster, he will be a primarily outside wide receiver. Does Darius Slayton prove that he's not just like, oh, good for a fifth-round pick? His rookie year, he generated a lot of buzz because it's like, wow, look at what this fifth-round rookie is doing. And he kind of did the same thing the next year and then definitely tapered off in his third season. Now he's in a contract year. Is he going to prove that he wasn't just, oh, good rookie season, good second year but like both of them only at like 700 or so yards um is he able to break out and be like hey someone pay me i doubt new york will pay him just because uh recent first round pick recent second round pick and the two contracts already on the books i don't see them being able to fit slayton in as well but is he able to make money somewhere else this season look forward to that unfolding and then who else on this roster will even stick on it will they keep more than five probably who's going to make the practice squad and will anyone be able to make any noise for the tight ends they have uh ricky seals jones jordan akins daniel bellinger and chris myrick um 
So between Ricky Seals-Jones, Jordan Atkins, and Daniel Bellinger, I can realistically see any of these three being this team's tight end one, but none of them really are tight end one. Ricky Seals-Jones has an athletic profile to be like a high upside tight end, but he hasn't really achieved that yet. Uh, he's went undrafted back in 2017, yeah, 2017, and he's going to his fifth team in his sixth season. So there's just some something about him just hasn't clicked quite yet in the NFL. Is he going to unlock it here in New York, or is he still just going to be bouncing around journeyman tight end? Jordan Atkins was pretty all right in his four years at Houston, but he never cracked 500 yards, and he's more of like a tight end two type of good complimentary receiving back or receiving being tight end, but not the primary guy. Like, he couldn't even establish himself in Houston who hasn't had a tight end one there during his time. And then Daniel Bellinger, he's definitely the highest upside as a rookie um, out of all these guys on the roster. He has a chance to be like Dawson Knox or Foster Moreau, uh, someone who in college was underutilized, whether it was because Dawson Knox was playing with um, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and just a plethora of other receiving options or a primary run game like how they had at San Diego State where um, Daniel Bellinger went so just underutilized there in college is he able to make it to the NFL now and take that step up now that he will get more looks in the NFL if he is able to be this team's tight end one which I feel like there's a pretty easy pathway for him to achieve Along the offensive line, the starters right now, I think, are going to be Andrew Thomas at left tackle, Joshua Ezwedu at left guard, John Feliciano at center, Mark Glowinski at right guard, and Evan Neal at right tackle. Um, backup tackles include Matt Peart, uh, Devery Hamilton, Roy Mbakita, uh, Matt Gano, and Corey Cunningham. Backup guards include Shane Lemieux, Ben Bredesen, Jameel Douglas, and Marcus McKeithen, and backup centers include Max Garcia and Nick Gates. Uh, so four-fifths of this projected offensive line are going to be new to the team with two rookies uh, in Izuedu and Neil, and then two free agents in Feliciano and Glowinski. Thomas made a big jump in year two after struggling a bit as a rookie from as a fourth round pick or fourth overall pick, you expect more out of him, and he looked the part in year two, looking like either the best or second best tackle from that like historic tackle class. Look for him uh, to establish himself as one of the top three tackles in this league. I wouldn't be surprised this year if he was able to do that. We'll see how high he can ascend this season. I think left guard is going to be an open competition right now. I'm putting in his way to because he's a third round rookie, so that's kind of like. He's got the upside, and third-round pick is still like a pretty early draft pick where you expect to get some production out of him. But there's also um, Shane Lemieux in his third year, former fifth-round pick. And then Ben Bredesen is also in his third year, a former fourth-round pick by the Ravens. So we'll see if either of these guys are able to win the job or if it will be Izuedu. Sometimes they like to go with a veteran route just because they do have experience, more muscle. They were able to add that mass and just more used to the game speed up of the NFL. Um, John Feliciano's was all right. He's been pretty average player in seven years with the Raiders and Bills playing at guard and center. 
Um, so that flexibility is nice because there's a chance that like Max Garcia or someone else will be a better better center than Izuedu or anyone else is able to be at guard. So you can kick Feliciano out to guard, put Garcia in at center. And that could be your best offensive line. We'll have to see how the season plays out. Um, getting Glowinski from the Colts, though, I think is a huge dub. Like He's a well above average guard. Maybe he was being lifted around by those around him, but he definitely held up his end of the bargain in indianapolis and it should be it should help evan neal develop next to him a young tackle playing next to an experienced good guard will help them out immensely and then speaking of evan neal i could definitely see him being tackle one from this class like he's got the physical ability to do so um so let's just see how fast he can hit the ground running and if he does hit that ceiling there we go uh, so for interior defensive line, they have Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Jihad Ward, David Moa, Justin Ellis, Nico Lelos, Ramon Jamis, and DJ Davidson. Um, the Giants did pick up Dexter Lawrence's fifth-year option, contrary to Daniel Jones's. So let's see if he can build off this past season, which was his best, where he had a career-high 43 pressures. Um He's uh, more of a nose tackle type, but he has shown the ability, like with those 43 pressures, that he can actually rush the passer, kind of like Vita Vea, despite being so big and good at run stuffing. Like there is the upside of him as a pass rusher. So let's see if he can continue to build and just keep getting better and better, similarly to Vita Vea. Can Leonard Williams justify his monster contract this year, um, making like 18 million a year as a defensive tackle? Like that's a ton of money for someone who hasn't really shown to earn it yet his pressures dropped from 62 to 47 last year and his sacks from 13 to 8 so does he continue to decline or will he have a bounce back year and be like one of the top defensive tackles once again and then how do journeyman jihad ward and justin ellis fare in year one here in new york um will jihad ward still be just a, like a middling pass rusher and justin ellis still be like oh yeah you're a pretty good run stuffing defensive tackle or will either of them be better, like be like, oh, well, like this veteran came out of nowhere and had a good production here? Or are either of them going to start seeing decline in their play? And then everyone else on this list is within their first three seasons with little to no experience. So are any of them going to get snaps, like significant snaps and show like, hey, we should stick around here and maybe outproduce Jihad Ward or Justin Ellis and earn a roster spot and for now and for the future. So for edge defenders, um, you got Kavan Thibodeau, uh, Aziz Ojolari, uh, Quincy Roche, O'Shane Zimenez, Cam Brown, Ellerson Smith, and Trent Harris. So how fast will Kavon Thibodeau hit the ground running? I think he's maybe the highest upside there's Trayvon, Trayvon Walker is just crazy athleticism but didn't really show production so the combination of production and upside I think Kayvon Thibodeau has like the highest of that um I think he will be in the defensive rookie of the year conversation and will not be surprised if at the end of the year he was the one receiving the award um there the biggest concerns about him have been off the field stuff is he gonna will those come to like fruition will him being distracted by cryptocurrency and his own brand and other things outside of football have an effect on the season 
in his play or is that just going to be like oh yeah he's a human he has other hobbies i think it's going to be the latter but that will be something to look at as the season plays out how does Aziz Ojolari look in year two he had 42 pressures and 10 sacks as a rookie last year after being a second round pick so does he build up upon that i really think that they could because he's going to be now instead of having to be the primary pass rusher of the team He's got tips on the other side and can just tee off, get a lot more single teams, and hopefully be a solid number two. He definitely needs to get those pressure numbers up, like 42 to 10. That's not a really good, good ratio. The sack number kind of inflates how good his season was, but still getting 40 pressures as a rookie is a pretty impressive feat. And then O'Shane Simenez is entering a contract year as a rotational edge. Um, does he do enough to get like a solid contract? He will have more motivation, a former third-round pick, and obviously being replaced here um is he going to try to play hard and earn a contract for a new team and then everyone else on this roster are young developmental pieces so will any of them really help out on this rotation um obviously they're going to get some snaps because you just need to get people get guys in like that but um it is right now looking to be a very thin group with like yeah just not a lot of experience at all between any of these guys like I think the Ocean's Eminence might be the oldest one being a third-year player. So with linebackers, you got Blake Martinez, Tay Crowder, Micah McFadden, TJ Brunson, Darian Beavers, Justin Hilliard, and Carter Coughlin. So after a career year in his first season in New York, Blake Martinez tore his ACL. So how does he look coming back off that? Does he return to his new york form where he was one of the better linebackers in the league or does he regress and look like he did in um, green bay or even worse because just physically he might be limited um, how does former seventh round pick tay crowder look in his third season a lot of the times in third seasons tend to be breakouts for players um crowder's been all right he's been a starter for the giants but that's more so due to the lack of players the giants have on the roster than his own ability can he take a step up and prove to be like a good starter now or is he just going to be another like okay like we need to throw, throw someone out here so we're going to throw out crowder again um carter coughlin is the only other linebacker on the giants who even has taken snaps in the nfl and he's only taken like 233 as a seventh round pick two years ago so this, this is one of the thinnest groups of, like, positions groups in the league right now. Just no one has experience, and it's a it's a question. Like, are they going to be able to come in and with um, Mike McFadden and Darren Beavers, fifth-round and sixth-round pick, respectively, in this class, are they going to be able to come in with no experience and make noise on this roster? And does Justin Hilliard or TJ Brunson, who haven't taken a snap in the NFL despite being um, rookies last year, are they going to be able to come in and do anything for this team? So for cornerbacks, they have Adoree Jackson, Cordero Flott, Darnay Holmes, Rodarius Williams, Aaron Robinson, and Jaron Williams. Um, Adoree J- Jackson is a solid corner, former first-round pick out of ten- or to Tennessee and then got um, cut and signed with New York. But he's definitely more of a number two or number three cornerback type of guy. He's not really, he hasn't shown the ability to be like the number one, be able to lock down a true number one receiver and stuff. So it's kind of 
looking to shape up to be a tough season for the Giants with that as your number one cornerback. But who knows, maybe he's able to take the step up to look for how he plays against number one wide receivers this year. Um, Cordero Flott at LSU was more of a slot receiver or slot cornerback, sorry. And kind of came out early, surprised a lot of people, but still ended up being a third-round pick here and should be a starter on the outside at 6'1". He has the height to do it and the ability. He just has to kind of show that he's able to hang with NFL receivers. So we'll see if he's able to do that because the Giants really need him to with this group. Um, Darnay Holmes isn't like a terrible slot receiver, second-year or third-year guy, and could do better, could do worse. Like, it's... He'll, he won't be the weakest link in this secondary, I believe. Um, everyone else on this roster is in their first three years with like limited, little to no experience. So this group, like I said, the Giants linebackers were one of the thinnest groups in the league, but like this, this one might even be thinner. And cornerback is a much more important position. It's kind of astounding to see how little they invested. Um, they're probably really upset that. The top two cornerbacks were gone um, looking back at the draft. And then safeties, you have Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, and Dane Belton. That's it right now. Um, I I don't even know what to say about that. I, I, they just need more depth. Like, what if there's injuries? There's a lot of teams run three safety sets. What if someone needs to get some oxygen? I expect them to sign more players, but these guys aren't aren't bad as if you want to, these to be your top three safeties. I just think that you've got to get some depth just in case, you know. Xavier McKinney especially is primed for a year three breakout. breakout. He looked like one of the best young free safeties last year, and I just kind of expect that to keep building on itself, and he should establish himself as one of the top center fielding safeties in the league. Julian Love has been a versatile defensive back more than a safety who... Um, in his time here in New York, he's played some outside corner. He mostly plays slot, but he's played in the box. He's played um, up high, too. So he probably is right now slated to be the um, safety two opposite of McKinney, the strong safety, if you would. Um, but he hasn't really like just played safety in his time in New York. He's kind of been everywhere. And Dane Belton was kind of that in Iowa. So similar skill set, he'll probably be the backup to Love. And in three safety sets, they'll probably rotate between playing box, slot, whatever. Um, but yeah, I definitely expect them to pick up more because just having three guys like that, especially three young guys, like I, I feel like this room could use some experience and just depth overall. So special teams, they got Graham Gano, Jamie Gillian, or Gillen and Casey Creeder. Um, Gano's a solid kicker for sure. He is 29 for 80 or 29 for 33 last year with an 87.4% career field goal percentage and a long of 63 in his career. And then Gillen, yeah, also a solid punter, but what's really cool about him is just his nickname, the Scottish Hammer. I just wanted to include that. Um, not much special teams analysis here, just kind of showing these are the guys they got and do with that what you will. And now we got the season projection. Um, in case you're new here, what I'm going to do is just give a pessimistic outlook on the season, tell you everything that could go wrong. And if everything together does go wrong, then they're going like 0-17, right? Like the season, the prediction that I do at the end, 
this four and thirteen isn't oh if all these bad things go wrong I still think they're going to be able to win four games. It's like no, like this is just what I think the low end of possibilities are for the Giants this year is four and thirteen, and then the high end is seven and ten. Like once again, if everything goes right for the Giants, then they're going to be the best team in the league, you know. But that doesn't happen. I don't think I don't really see the Giants getting more than seven wins, but I also don't see them getting less than four. Um, so looking at it pessimistically, Daniel Jones comes into the season and just kind of confirms he's a bust. I don't think he's going to play terribly and be out of the league, but there's a definitely a real shot that he just doesn't look good, and New York's like, all right, we need to find a true high upside quarterback. Brian Dable just had Josh Allen. He sees what you can do with an elite quarterback, and he's not going to stop until he gets one. So if he doesn't think Daniel Jones is him, he's going to move on, and Jones will be a career backup. Saquon, he could be hurt again, and even if he is in, he what if he's just not the same? Like with all these injuries, like he takes takes a toll on your body and just isn't as good as he know, like as he should be. The wide receivers could struggle once again, and the chemistry is all off with like three primary slot guys for, trying to figure out how that all works, and Galladay just not producing like the true X that he is capable of, and the offensive line also the chemistry is all off there because they. Um, we need to throw a bunch of new guys together. A lot of the times, this consistency of playing next to the same guys over and over again will just make the offensive line better. But right now, it looks like four of the guys are going to be new starters for this team. Um, defensively, there's a chance Thibodeau doesn't hit the ground running. He's like too distracted by off-field stuff or he just isn't able to come into the league and just be crazy like I expect him to be. And opposite of that, Ojolari kind of has a similar season on last season. But this time the sacks don't come around with it. He only gets like four or five. Um, the interior defensive line, I don't really see them being bad unless there's injuries along there. But they could just definitely be solid, like middling, not great. Um, and then there's a chance that these linebackers are just horrendous. Um, Blake Martinez, I think, should at least be solid. But Tay Crowder and the rest of them might just not be able to be NFL players. Um, Odori Jackson, there's a chance he's not able to be the number one cornerback, and Flott struggles as a rookie, and Darnay Holmes is just once again like meh, and the secondary can just get picked apart. McKenney could regress, I don't really see that happening, but there's always a chance he just had one fluky season, and no one else, like between um, Belton and Love, they aren't able to step up and be a strong safety for that system. And then on the opt- the optimistic end of the spectrum, Daniel Jones could see improvements in year one under Dable, um, really taking that step and getting a vote of confidence from the team. Like, hey, like it really was just Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman like messing over this team. Um, Saquon returns to health and looks just like his rookie form and is amazing, one of the best running backs in the league again. Galladay stays healthy throughout the season and establishes himself as a true number one wide receiver while Tony is able to be a solid outside threat and Shepard and Robinson work from the inside and be some of the best slot receivers. The offensive line is solid in the first year together and just continue to grow as the season go on. Kayvon Thibodeau has defensive rookie of the year upside, so he wins it in this optimistic situation. And Ojolari really thrives opposite of him getting 60, 70 pressures. Um, in the interior defensive line with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams is one of the best duos in the league. Tay Crowder takes that step up in year three, and Blake Martinez looks just like he did in 2020, so the linebackers are great. 
Um, the corners are fine. I don't really honestly even optimistically see them being much less than like average. But if you get that out of them, that's much better than what it's projecting to be right now. Um, and then McKinney is one of the best ball hawking free safeties in the league. And Love or and or Belton are solid playing opposite of him. Um, looking at this win, like the project, the Vegas over under right now, DraftKings has them at seven wins, and I would definitely bet the under if I was a betting guy. As I said, uh, my optimistic view is they get seven wins. I don't really think they do more than that. Like Brian Dable and this coaching staff would have to work some magic. Um, and yeah, that's their biggest strength right now. I see is um, Brian Dable and this offensive coaching staff. Um, probably the best thing going for them. They were able to get the most out of Josh Allen as this super toolsy quarterback and flip around that Bills team. Um, the other like high upside things that I would say, like that I was considering for putting as their biggest strength, I just there's too many question marks. Like Saquon is a huge strength if he's there, if he's healthy. This offensive line could be really good, but we've never seen them play together. And the wide receivers, once again, could be really good, but Galladay struggled with injuries and inconsistency last year. And Wondell Robinson, is he going to be good? Um, Tony, is he going to play for this team? And if he does, is he going to take a step up in year two? And their biggest weakness I'm putting as the secondary. Um, like, more specifically, the cornerbacks could be, like, scary bad. Like, I'm, I'd be worried as a Giants fan and really hoping that we go out and sign someone new to kind of at least be your number two. Um, don't know if Flouts can take that right away. And also, strong safety is a question mark right now. Maybe Julian Love's able to fill that. I wouldn't be surprised if they just rolled in with the three safeties they have being their primary safeties and giving like more depth. But yeah, I, I, I'm I'd be worried if I was a Giants fan about this secondary. All right, so that, that's my breakdown of the New York football giants. If you like, leave a like, comment, subscribe, or if you're um, listening to this in podcast form, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Um, thank you all for joining, and I'll see you guys next time.